Hey everyone, we are back, second edition, second episode, second week, whatever you want to call it, of Offside and Out of Bounds. Yeah, let's go, so exciting, second week, and I think last week was like really great really great when we talked to Juan. You know, we got to hear a lot about the NHL and content creation. It was a really fun conversation. Yeah, he definitely said some like pretty insightful things. It's pretty good conversation, funny stuff, gave us some insight like behind the scenes of stuff that we really wouldn't have gone to know without talking to him. So that was great. And really looking forward to this week though. Yeah, like moving into women's sport with our guest who's coming in, learning a little bit more about that because you know, like I'm a woman trying yeah. to get into the sports industry. So I think it'll be a way to like, I can see my experience within her and then also like maybe gain some insight, hopefully, because it is such a grind. Yeah, for sure. I think women's sports is like growing at a crazy level. And I think it's really important to be talked about. And it's really important to touch on that on a podcast like this, talking to sport media professionals, especially like what you just said, you are one trying to get yeah. into the industry. So I think we'll get some like really insightful comments and hopefully just have some fun again. And it's a really exciting kind of opportunity. There's just so much growth going on like here and then, you know, worldwide for women's sports. So it's like one of those things where if you want to get into it, I think this is the best time because it's just going to take off further from here. Yeah, honestly, like when I came into this program and like I've just been like, I've always been a big basketball guy sort of all around the sports and I was just very honed in on the NBA. But like since I've like started school here, I've actually gone way more into women's sports. And I think it's super important. I really love like the woman's game and I'm a big part of it now. And I think just like there's a lot of growth and a lot of areas where I think it still needs to be touched on, but it's definitely expanding. And it's something that before this, I never thought to myself like, oh, I'm going to be into women's basketball. I'm going to potentially want to have a career going forward like that. But now I like have a completely different mindset. Well, on you're it. growing then. That's, that's lovely, Max. And I think it, like a big part of it's been the social media. Like it's making sport accessible for everyone. And then for like women who maybe feel that they weren't being like heard before or spoken to, like social media is a great way to like communicate with them and TikTok and everything like that. That's where I sometimes consume a lot of sport content. And Me it's too. just so easy, right? And I think we have the perfect guest to touch on I that I was about today. to say. Social media extraordinaire. Yeah. And uh, let's get to it. Our guest is a senior content producer and social media specialist at The Gist, which is a fantastic platform for sharing women's sports and representing female athletes in Canada and across the world. As well, she was a former basketball star at Queen's University. We are so excited to welcome Robin Pearson. Hey guys, great to be here. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Busy schedule, I'm sure. Everyone in media has such a busy schedule. Um, but you laughed at basketball star. Why? <laughs> oh, I just wouldn't consider myself a basketball star. Oh, I feel no. like, it, you know, it was okay. <laughs> we'll okay. see, we'll see. The, the, you know, there was a bit of a come up and I was definitely not expected to play well when I got to Queens. People definitely underestimated me, but it was a good, it was a good career. No gold medals like uh, your friend Kaylee over there, but uh, <laughs> we did pretty good. <laughs> hey, maybe, hey, technically maybe a part of a squad you know, now practicing could be a part of a squad. Yeah, we'll know. see. I want my gold medal in the mail. Exactly. So. Do you think that playing a varsity sport then kind of led into what you're doing now? Or was it just kind of you were in love with it always and just continued playing at university? 
Um, I think my journey to like women's sports or sports media in general was super weird. I went to Queens and did a Bachelor of Commerce. Always liked marketing and liked that world. Um, tried to start my own freelance photography videography company. Realized that was a lot harder than I expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> and was doing, uh, I was working at Steam Whistle Brewing here in Toronto um, part time to help like make ends meet, so to yeah. speak. Um, I'd been working in restaurants all the way through university as well. Just everybody, most people have a job when you go to school. And so basically I was there for a long enough time. They decided they were going to open a restaurant and they tapped me to be the manager. So mm -hmm. I managed a restaurant for two and a half years and then everybody knows what happened in 2020. The pandemic happened. My whole industry that I had like fallen in love with at the time kind of got shattered. Um, I quit Steam Whistle, took a part-time role at The Gist out of the blue because I had the BCom you know, yeah. the experience, the social media experience, and they kind of took a chance on me. But I had no idea I was going to be in sports until the just kind of showed up. And it just kind of has worked out really well. But I don't know. My journey is so strange. I don't know why people are like, you should talk about this more. I'm like, why? No, I love that it's not linear. Like, I felt the same way. Like, I transferred, and Max also transferred yeah. into this program. So it's like one of those things where I didn't know this is what I wanted to do until I transferred in. But I, I find it so funny that, like, a lot of people in sports media, in acting, things like that, all work in hospitality. Like, I work at a bar, too, I, right yeah. now. I, I was the same thing. Like, even at the end of high school and out of high school, I worked in a restaurant for three and a half years. And funny enough, yeah. I actually worked for Steam Whistle last summer also. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. So <laughs> there's uh, a lot of connections there. But yeah, the same thing. I've worked in hospitality for a long time, and it took me many years, like, even out of high school, to figure out kind of what I wanted to do. And now it's like, oh, you're almost finished. Exactly. What do you want to do? I'm like... Still figuring that out. But, <laughs> you know, I feel like it definitely is a process. Yeah. I think we want people to get to know you. So Max has a bunch of really kind of quick fire questions, and we're going to hit you with them. All right. You can elaborate if you feel like you want to, or okay. you can just kind One of... One word answers them. are totally fine yeah. also. Okay. Okay. Early bird or night owl? It depends on what I did the night before. Okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Getting coffee or, co <laughs> coffee or Red Bull? Uh, coffee. Any specific place you like coffee from? Or are you just an at-home coffee drinker? Um, I think I'm more of an at-home coffee drinker financially because mm. that's super True. important. that is a smart, I need to get into that. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise in the city, I would probably say, I mean, I'm a Jimmy's girl. I live right near yeah. Jimmy's, so it's kind of classic. Okay. Country or city? City, absolutely. Okay. Um, winter or summer? Okay, I'm a very sweaty person, so I always say winter, and people judge me for it. I love summer, and I love, like, the vibe of summer, but I also find it exhausting. So I feel Do like you, I'm a winter person. You like the Ontario winters? Yeah, I love not seeing people. It's, like, my favorite <laughs> is... part of winter. <laughs> Hibernation is the best part of winter. <laughs> like, you know, that's all I want to do is chill. Okay, you're at a bar. What drink are you ordering, and what song is playing? Oh, God. Um... Okay, well, this is kind of gross, but I'm doing a tequila shot, and then I'm chugging a beer. That's basically, like, <laughs> That's the hardcore. combo. That's hardcore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've got them both on my body. I've got wow. my beer, oh, so it's and been, it's, it's been a ritual I've got my while. tequila shot. Um, song is playing is probably anything by Dua Lipa. Mm. Okay. Yep. Good choices. Okay, I like that. <laughs> my dad actually loves Dua Lipa, which is a little aside, but he, like, levitating, yeah. probably favorite song yeah. ever. My father is... <laughs> And he's, yeah, he's just a little country bumpkin that loves Dua Lipa. <laughs> so I respect that. The last person we had on, it was Spicy Marks or Regular Marks. I think it was, yeah, Regular And Marks, yeah. I don't remember his song, but oh, it's something by Bad Bunny. Oh. Which I was like, okay, fair for a margarita. It, like, fits the vibe. But I think that you're drinking 
and do song a choice kind of fit well. Yeah, I don't know. It just, just I like way I like marks too. Don't get me wrong. If I'm gonna oh. sip it, I'm getting a mark. But that's like we're at a bar. Oh yeah, you're so. at a tequila shop beer. I actually was at out for drinks the other night, and one of my friends ordered a Guinness and a um and an old fashioned. Those like the same time. Oh, he went back gross. to back with the Guinness and the old fashioned. I was like, I've never seen this before, but no. Classic move. I don't know. Maybe it's the right move. Definitely not for me, though. But So you kind of talked a little bit when we were just chatting at the beginning about how you were at Queens. So not kind of a media-based school. No. Um, but your current role, like, do you want to tell us a bit about that? I, I followed just for a while, so I think that this is so insane that we're talking about it and you're here and that's very cool. So do you want to tell us kind of about the day-to-day -day of what you do? Sure, yeah. So I'm the, like, senior social media producer at The Gist, so... A typical day for me, I log on, I get up any of the morning posts from our newsletters. So the Just was a newsletter first company. It's kind of a four times weekly newsletter comes to your inbox with all the top stories in sports that you need to know. Um, so that casual fans or fans who want to learn more about sports they don't know about or fans who want to learn about women's sports can kind of get the gist of what's <laughs> going on in the sports world without needing to be like that fan who has been watching their entire life. Yeah. Um, so I take all the content, I recycle it into our socials. So you know, graphic posts, reels, TikToks, um, tweets, which they're not called that anymore, RIP, um, all those different pieces on LinkedIn. And then usually we'll meet with other people on my team, kind of plan out what other content we have, organic and branded. When we talk about branded content, that's another big chunk of my day where like a brand like Nike will come on. And right now we're doing a deal with them about the NWSL playoffs. So what content have they paid us to either amplify, custom create, um, share, what's going on with them and, and what initiatives they're doing. Yeah. And so that's a big part of it. Um, and then beyond that, it's really just like mapping out what the next month, two months, three months looks like from a content perspective, like what needs to get out the door. That's probably like a day to day that including lots of random touch bases about different deadlines, like any other corporate job. So yeah, to speak. of course. Yeah. No. And what would, what's your favorite part of that? Because it all sounds so creative, but I'm sure that like when you're actually in it, you're like, do you get writer's block with things like that? Like you can't sometimes find the creative way to express yourself in those posts. I get meme block. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm 29 thing. and Gen Z is very chaotic. My fiance is in Gen Z and I appreciate her so much because <laughs> she keeps me up to date on certain things. Yeah, like I'm the like, lingo. <laughs> like I'll be sitting at working from home and be like, babe, I don't know what to do for this meme. Like, can you please help me? Yeah. Like, I don't know why this is funny. Like, please tell me how this is funny and help me make a post. So I feel like it's like, being funny is the block. Yeah. I don't get writer's block because a lot of the, we have a full writing team right. and they'll craft a lot of that content. I just have the liberty of recycling their beautiful words. Yeah. For me, it's more like, how do I make this pretty? And is it funny? Does it have to be? That's probably the biggest block. Also these days, I feel like everything's about trends and like yes. there's a new trend like every single day. <laughs> it's exhausting. And it's, so, it's so hard to keep up with. Like you have to literally just be scrolling TikTok, yeah. Instagram in order to just find out what's going on and where to like, where you're going to get like that support. Yeah. And, and explaining that to brands, it's like, they're like, oh, I want to do this trend. I'm like, honey, that was like a month ago. Yeah. This is dead. <laughs> this is gone. like, it was gone last week. You can't use that anymore. Like, it's just not going to happen. Are there any posts that you've done recently that with like words that you just haven't known? I'm just wondering if there's like slang that you just. Oh no, not slang. It's actually really embarrassing, but I'll share it anyways. We have a, t a huge age range of people at the right. gist and we have a, Gen Z slang folder. It's like a whole doc. <laughs> and the youngest members of our team will go in and like explain the whole yeah. thing. And sometimes when you want to laugh, like you just go through it and you're like this, I don't get it, but it's there and I can know how to use it properly. Um, so 
yeah, there's nothing that I don't know because I have people who tell me, thank goodness. Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that's definitely helpful. Um, kind of like breaking into the industry. I'm sorry, I'm hopping onto Max's next. Um, totally it. stealing it. But breaking into the industry, coming out of a non-media school, would you say that made it more difficult? It sounds like your path kind of, you fell into the role, but when you were first in it, was that kind of a challenge to you? I think I had the basic understanding of like, like I started off part-time with mm -hmm. the gist. So I started off as a part-time social media producer and I had this amazing boss, Carrie, who I'm still really good friends with, who really, she's like, I know you can do the job because you're smart, you're adaptable, you're very organized. Like the skills you develop as a person matter more than like the actual job you're doing in that situation right. because she helped me harness those skills in a way that's applicable to the job. And she was very good at coaching me. And I think that's really what matters is what are the mentors you have in the industry who can help you tailor those specific skills to the job you're doing rather than being like, if you've never done this before, you can't do it. Cause that's just not true. Yeah. Especially yeah. something I find like social media that everyone has yeah. right now. Anyways, it's just building on that and becoming more professional with it almost in a sense. Yeah. I think the, the issue that you get when you say, well, so, you know, everybody has social media, anybody can do it. And the reality is most people, we've had a bunch of part-timers come through that just haven't cut it because there is a lot more to it. It's super detail-oriented, it's very fast-paced. Um, there's a lot of details. Sorry, I said detail-oriented already, but it's just, <laughs> there's so many details. And you know, one spelling mistake or one tiny comma error, like people, you know, there's a yeah. tweet from Patrick Mahomes when Aaron Rodgers got injured and he said, man, like, I hate that man. Yeah. And it was like, hate that man, Aaron Rodgers. And he had, didn't add the comma. Oh, no. And so it just seemed it's like he was like, yeah, hate that guy. It was, it was crazy. But he was trying to say, like, hate that comma, man. Yeah. Like, that sucks. Yeah. But, you know, it's all those things that go into socials. And it's, it's always moving parts. So it's an easy job in the sense that everybody can do it. But there's a lot to it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Would you say, have there been any extra difficulties in your personal experience, like as a woman or an LGBTQ plus person, like being in the industry? Um, general sports industry, yes. Being in the women's sports industry, no. Because the women's sports industry, I just had a meeting about it today with another person in the industry, and you just, there's such a support for women in women's sports. Like, it really is a strong community. But when I end up attending men's sports events, or I'm at a bar watching a game with my friends, there's like, you know, four d sitting at the table. We know more about this sport than you do, men. Like, you need to step off and stop trying to mansplain sports to me, because that's the reality. It's that they see you as someone who can't have the same knowledge, yeah. but you don't know how long someone's been a fan. You don't know what background they come from. You don't know if they're an ex-varsity athlete. You don't know anything yeah. about them, but it's always just that immediate assumption that women don't know sports. Um, but I think I have a benefit of being tall <laughs> that people take me more seriously <laughs> in situations. So I haven't had too many like, you know, really bad situations yeah. as a woman in sports, but I know that my experience is very different than others for sure. Okay. And like, kind of along those lines like and going back to like your time at queens like did you find there's any kind of like you went through an identity crisis at all like going into like after school finishing up being a varsity athlete and then not knowing exactly what to do and then ending up back into women's sports like years later um i think the only identity crisis that i faced was like how much i missed being around sports when it was back in my life i wouldn't say that i i was very ready to stop when my five years was up playing at Queens, I was like, I could not, my body is oh, done. Oh, you did the five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did the five. I did the victory lap. I completed my, oh, my yeah. commerce degree, and then I said, I'm going to do one more year, and yeah. I did random electives, and in the second semester after the season was over, I dropped all my courses. 
So yeah. I didn't really do anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't think the identity crisis, I think I didn't really have an idea. I had a general sense of where I wanted to go and I had a drive to get there. But I would say that I've just said yes to a lot of opportunities when they've presented themselves and it's served me better than if I had this plan, if it wasn't going to plan, I would have been frustrated. I kind of yeah. just said, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And then the whole world changed and I was like, well, I got to change something. Like it kind of, these opportunities just sort of happened. So I don't think I ever went through an identity crisis. Yeah. I think I was excited to be back somewhere where I felt so comfortable, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I know that like sometimes having a plan is like, it ruins everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know when my, if something that I've planned doesn't happen correctly, then I, you do just want to kind of quit and stop. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I understand. I feel too like, cause it's such a grind, the sports industry that like someone who is an athlete would have kind of a good perspective and like head on their shoulders to deal with that. Like, have, do you feel that you've had to like grind, but it's all been like, it's been worthwhile and you've been able to manage it because of that kind of tenacity of being an athlete? Yeah, I think the tenacity of being an athlete, but it's also the organizational like skills you learn as an yeah. athlete. It's being able like, okay, I have an hour and a half before practice. I have to buckle down and finish this assignment or I'm going to be up till two in the morning. Yeah. And I think that that's the skill that I've probably taken more. I mean, my friends say this all the time. They're like, you're, you can tune everything out. We'll all be hanging out and working together, whatever. <laughs> and they're like, you could just totally lock in and get your stuff done. I think that's the biggest skill I took away from yeah. it. And also like, if you're an athlete, you tend to be better at receiving feedback because you were always receiving feedback. So yeah. every feedback is just an opportunity to get better rather than like, you're bad. It's yeah. like, how do you get better? I feel like, yeah, you just go into a completely like different mindset than mm -hmm. some other people might have, like going towards different things. Like you're saying, working, you can lock in, you can like, you can use those time restraints just because I feel like it teaches you something different that you wouldn't necessarily learn just like throughout everyday life about, because a varsity schedule is like yeah. crazy and like people don't understand like how much work it is to balance like almost a full course out with the sport, with practices, games, then also like taking care of your body. Yeah. So I feel like it's something that people don't realize, but after I guess it has like a good impact towards your future. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's also just learning how to fail in sports. You fail all the time. So how do you bounce back from failure and failures happen throughout your entire life. So if you know how to bounce back from them better, faster, stronger to quote, Def Punk, obviously, <laughs> um, then yeah, that's probably the best, like the resiliency that comes from being an athlete is also a key. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I mean, people, I feel like I know a lot of people in this like program, at least who are also athletes. So I do feel it's like an easy kind of yeah. thing to get into. Um, our next segment is called like fourth and one. So gave you a heads up before it's your go-to in like a given situation. So the situation is like, what's your go-to element of a social media post? Um, that you know is going to drive engagement for the gist, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think our audience expects a few things from us. So the, the kind of four key pillars, it's like this is the one go-to thing, but it kind of all encompasses mm -hmm. would be like, is it relevant? Is it accurate? Um, is it educational? And, you know, kind of is it fun, but is it, will someone enjoy like this content? Like, is it visually appealing? Is it all these different things? But I feel like the biggest thing for us is the educational piece. Like, right. this is gonna, t our whole thing is about teaching casual fans about all sports or fans about more different sports or deeper into sports. So I feel like that's the biggest thing would be like, does this educate people? Even if it's a fun meme and then in the caption, I'm like, by the way, this is why this is funny. Like, that's kind yeah. of the biggest thing for us. Yeah. Have you, if it's, because the gist is teaching about sports. So is there a sport that you've now like learned about from working with the gist that you like didn't watch or something before? Football. 
Like American football? American oh, okay. football. I am mm. not an NFL girly. <laughs> I never have been. But now I'm in this. It's our biggest sport on the U.S. side. Right. So I've had to learn what all the rules mean because there's so many. Oh, and yeah. I, you know, and then I these people who glue themselves to their seats. Like right. I've just never, I love all sports, but I know the least about NFL. Now I know, and you know, three years into the job, I know a lot more about the NFL, but that would probably be the one. Yeah, well, fourth and one is a football reference. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah cool. I, I came up with that. I, I'm, Couldn't I'm even big, tell you. I'm, I'm a big NFL, <laughs> big NFL guy and football guy. So going like more looking into the future, um, what do you think needs to be the next step to like keeping women's sports representation continually growing and the coverage to keep expanding? I mean, it's just how much are people and brands covering it. Like media companies have got to step up. The big names that don't post about it need to show some respect for those places. There needs to be investment. That's an obvious one. There's a ton of you know new teams coming out, new leagues. The WNBA just expanded. The NWSL just expanded. Um, we're trying to bring a Canadian professional soccer league here. Like That's kind of the next step is having brands and investors back the belief that is women's sports. And there are have been the numbers to prove it. Like yeah. the growth that women's sports have seen, and I know the WNBA the best because I've been a fan since I was a kid, but the growth that the WNBA has had in the 26 years of its existence is like 150 or 175% more than what the NBA was in its first 25 years. People love to forget that. Yes, it's a different market. Yes, it's a different time, all these different things, but women's sports are growing exponentially faster and it's just who's going to hitch their wagon to this ride because it's going and they just need to get the funding to kind of push it over the edge. Right, I mean, even if you look at I mean, so I watched the Women's World Cup for soccer. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how many people watch that, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. think of all the ads and the money that could be made by these companies if they just got their heads in the game and were, like, wanting to support. But I do think you saw, like, I saw all the cute TikToks of, like, an entire country of men supporting women and yeah. <laughs> cried at every single one that I saw. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's a super exciting time. There's yeah. so much that could be going on and well, small teams that are growing and, like, smaller sports that are getting bigger. Well, that's great, especially for someone like me. I like really niche sports, so getting to be maybe able to work in that in the future. Yeah. Also, recently I saw that, that like Kelsey Plum commented after the final game, so like comparing it to the NBA, you can't because of that sense. It's because they're in such like way earlier stage mm -hmm. than the NBA is in now, so you can't compare it to how it is nowadays. You have to look back to when it started, and the numbers are there, and it's even bigger. And she touched on that when talking about like following the WNBA finals and his crazy game sold out like yeah and every like it was all over the place and like i think if you think about that people are like oh nba this wnba that i think you have to look at it differently than just oh it's a straight comparison because it's completely different yeah and i think one of the things is you know like betting on women is the next thing where like the women have proved time and time again that they're here there's money to be made there's viewership numbers um, the fans are there, like the WNBA game, the exhibition preseason game in Toronto, they sold out all the WNBA merch by the third quarter. It was sold out within 20 minutes. Like the interest is there. Yeah. It's just who's going to step up and bet on these women to actually make it is going to be the key yeah. factor. It's just who's going who's gonna to place that bet and win a million dollars. Like that's truly it. Right. Yeah. And they, they totally should. I mean, <laughs> I would if I had money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so frustrating, right? Do you, do you think a WNBA team to Toronto is inevitable? I think that it, it is inevitable. I think there's other things that need to come in place first. I think charter flights is a big one. If there's no charter flights, it makes international, because technically Canada is international. Yeah. It takes international travel and, and different yeah. things yeah. to get there. If they're chartering flights, that doesn't become an issue. I think that MLSC is much less of a risk taker, risk taker when it comes to that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're 
they need to see the proof of women like WNBA expansion teams yeah. before they'll get on board. Yeah. And I think that Golden State and Portland will be great examples because they, if it is Portland, sorry, that's not yeah. 100% confirmed. <laughs> but those are both going to be connected to their NBA teams, which is what it would be here in Toronto. So if that shows that it goes well, I think they'll be next up right. for sure. 2027 would be my earliest guess, okay. but that's being super optimistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can only hope. Yeah, I can dream. I'm buying courtside season tickets if oh, I can yeah. afford them. So yeah, that's what's happening. I would happening. love to see that here. Like, it, it's such a good atmosphere. I do love going to see basketball. Yeah. Um, and I'm not like a huge, huge fan, but I just think that the atmosphere is great and yeah. like, the Raptors at least too. Um, our next kind of wrapping up kind of final question. So the gist has obviously like a very distinct voice on social. How do you manage, like I've been told before that like as a woman in sport, I can't be funny to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And then also, how do you manage that with kind of perceptions of maybe, you know, these alpha males being like, oh, it's too feminist or it's just women getting angry. Like, how do you manage that and like kind of keep your consistent voice and tone on the social media? I know that's a, a really kind of tough, broad <laughs> question, but. No, it's not. It's not a tough, broad question, I think. It kind of goes back to brand promise. You know, you've seen really successful women owned and operated businesses. Like, I mean, Betches, for example, they feed off of that specific voice and attitude and whole thing. And they've done extremely well for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what we're trying to do is like, we want that consistency and it's what our audience comes to us for. Mm -hmm. So I don't really care about the naysayers in sports as long as my audience enjoys it wants to be a part of it, it makes them want to be a part of the community we've created. I think that's how you stay true to your message. It's like, what is, am I the brand promising to my consumers? Yeah. And am I going to stay true to that? It's the same with any brand that you have out there. Like you're, you want to appeal to the masses to get certain people interested, but once your community is there, you want to stay authentic to them because the, they're the ones that are going to pay your bills realistically. Right. I love that. So just giving kind of the community and the demographic that you know what they clearly want yeah see. i mean we try to talk about underrepresented voices in our in our content all the time a lot of lgbtq plus stories we talk mm -hmm. about um you know there's a ton of issues in sports that other platforms won't touch and that's a lot of american companies for different political standards they don't want to get on the wrong side of something but we don't we have our beliefs and we stay true to them and that's yeah. why our audience stays true to us because we know that do you have a favorite story maybe that like kind of was near and dear to your heart that maybe another company would have avoided but you guys kind of touched on there's a huge anti-trans sport um, legislation battle going on in the U.S. right now. Wow. And unfortunately, it could come up to Canada. And I think that's a big one for me is during Pride Month, we'd post about these incredible trans athletes, men, women, um, on our page. And when it would get out into the, the viral space, so to speak, that's when all the hate comments come yeah. through. And that's when all that stuff comes through. But what really warms my heart about that is our audience in the comments sticking up for us and what we believe in, what we stand for, and what they stand for. And that really was what like makes my job special is that we've created this community of diehard sports fans who feel seen and feel heard and feel loved and want to support us just as much as we want to support them. That's probably the hardest thing that happens yes. is Pride Month and yeah. all that stuff. But it's also the greatest thing that happens because that is when all the work you've put in to representing certain groups comes back and, and just gives back in so much. And you can actually like see yeah. the difference that you guys are making. You can, you can see the impact unbelievable. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, um, like, I feel like it's probably like one of the most exhausting months, but it's like, the yes. most, it's the most, <laughs> yeah. it's the most fulfilling at the same time. Yeah. Like, like once it's over that it's like, wow, but it also shouldn't be over. You should be continuing to touch on those points and talk yeah. about them all year round. And that's what we try to do. And we always try to do with any of these stories that, you know, people may not want to touch, but we will. And we promise we would. So we will. 
Um, and then do you have any maybe advice for people coming into the sports media industry or just coming into women's sport, like getting their foot in the door? Do you have any, any advice that you'd want to give them? Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do that doesn't involve getting a job. I mm -hmm. think people forget that. Working or volunteering in any kind of sports capacity is great. Like um, a lot of schools, you can work with their sports programs or like we had, I mean, the ARC at Queens, we had lots of people who were working in and around sports yeah. that were part of that. Um, if you're big on content creation, like start creating your own content about sports you're interested in, read up about sports, listen to podcasts, like increase your knowledge of the entire landscape. That's a huge thing. Um, and then the biggest thing for me that I found was going to the networking events that are available to you and meeting people and shaking hands. Like I accept almost anybody that, you know, adds me on LinkedIn. Cause I'm like, maybe you have a question, maybe I can help you. And yeah. I think that that's like not being afraid to put yourself out there to where you want to be is huge. Cause that's the only way to really get into this industry in a certain way is like show up, be seen and be yourself. And you really just have to keep trying at the end of yeah. the day. Cause it's, it yeah. is tough out there. <laughs> it is tough. And especially in this job market, it's, it's always going to be tough, but yeah. I think that, you know, setting yourself apart with certain things that you do really well um, and like being authentic to your personal brand and who you are and who you want to show to the world is also yeah. huge because that is the reality of being in sports. It's about who you know and who you connect with. Do you want to sum up? So I was just saying to Kaylee, when you sat down, I was like, it's so funny that you're sitting with me on the couch because we're dressed so differently. So your personal brand in like three words, how would you describe your personal brand in like style? Because obviously it's very, like it's artsy, it's great, it's colorful, I love it. I'm artsy. in black and white. I have never I heard think it's artsy, artsy before. The tattoos it. and everything, yeah. I love um, it. I mean, as someone who grew up closeted for a really long time, I think my whole thing is just being 110% myself at all times. That's the tattoos, that's yeah. the style. Like when I came into myself, I didn't want to ever hide it ever again. It's like something I've talked about in therapy. It's like, that's why I'm so bold and out there is because I don't ever want to feel the way I felt before. So I think yeah. that that's really where my personal brand comes from to sum it up in like a couple words. I mean, I still consider myself a tomboy, which, mm. <laughs> you know, um, I would say outgoing, um, and I would probably say like emotional, <laughs> like I'm pretty much an open book. So I feel like that kind of connects with people, but yeah, those would be like the top three if I had to describe myself, but I, like I feel that. like it's a really weird trio. Yeah, it, it, def it definitely wasn't <laughs> you the trio hit me I was with expecting. Like all but what like, were you expecting, Max? No, but it's like, when she's like described three words, I was just like, oh, words, but you actually like put it way better than like I would have thought. Okay, but I want to know what you think my personal brand is. Oh, you're, no, I would, I would, I have not, no idea how to describe your personal brand. Even Maybe like just trying, tall? Even like, trying to think of tall. like, <laughs> even trying to think of like my personal brand, three words, I'm like, oh my, like yeah, I don't I even know, know if I could answer that question. So it was just like, it's way yeah. better of an answer than I could ever give about myself. I'll, I try my best. We might not use this, but what's your star sign? If you're, I'm a Pisces. <gasps> Me too. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say, and I'm emotional about everything. I'm angry, happy, sad, crying all the time. Oh, I what? cry um, on the daily. Yeah. Truthfully, I think that's. I think it's healthy. <laughs> it is. It's actually, really good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Okay, I was thinking. I you said that. I was like, I, I you just really, spirit. just really wanted. Yeah. To, you knew it. <laughs> she yeah, knew it. I had to call yeah, the star had that sign. Intuition. I had to yeah. throw that in. It works for me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been like an absolute pleasure. Great conversation. That's been so great to learn about what you do. Again, I was like fangirling a little bit <laughs> just because the gist is I like I read that right. And like that's how I got into some other sports. Um, but where can people find you online if they want to find you on social or connect on LinkedIn? Um, well, you mentioned that I'm sort of stylish, which is weird to me. But if you want to follow <laughs> me on TikTok, it's Robbie's on TikTok. So okay. um, 
BBIE, not BY. Mm. And then um, same thing, Robbie P15 on Instagram, or you can follow the gist at the gist USA or the gist CA on socials. Do Perfect. both. Do both. Yeah, Do them all. Follow them all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you guys. So yeah, it was great. Thanks for Thank having you. me.